0: James. Hey Duncan. seeing you. So now we're doing video is funny. Like I don't know. the rest of these of it actually just on a phone call. It's yeah. it's so much more personal being able to see someone.
1: Well, this is our first like video, video live recording of a conversation/slash podcast. And now I get to well, I have to
0: look at this face while we're <laughs> engaging in conversation. Good. Um all right, so today's topic is about parenting and whether or not know we think it's a good idea and why i think this is kind of funny is because you if you've listened to any of the last ones at times you'll have heard me say that i don't think i want to have children but you know as they say the only constant is change as of about 18 months or two years ago that was starting to shift and i think i'm at the point now where i think i want to have children like i'm not in a rush to do it and if i didn't do it it wouldn't kill me but before it was diametrically opposed like if that was something that say a female wanted as part of relationship i'm like this is a line in the sand for me and unfortunately if yes is like a hard you must do it for you then i'm out kind of thing and so i've just shifted and so i think honestly i hope i would look into future and smile but it's funny like you know i've been quite in the no children boat for maybe 10 years i'd say yeah yeah
1: so i think um where's a really good place to start is kind of like donkey boy's journey on this yeah, uh, you do that, on- yeah and um but like it i actually have a lot of admiration for it and like the 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 point of reference for me was when you you shared the realization you had which was like there's so much in life we we kind of like take for granted and we're just in autopilot mode and then one day um you know i'm trying to paraphrase you woke up and realized actually i can decide if i really want this Hmm. Uh, and that would kind of like um you know an inflection point for you where you started to you know turn to you know to focus back in on yourself and you thought do i really actually want to have kids um and at the time i wasn't admiring of this realization i was like no you must have children again. Um, but now in retrospect i think that was actually a really really profound moment of, of realization yeah i mean
0: so basically whatever made the most humans won so for instance <laughs> the horniest people outbred the people that weren't horny so this means also that the people like, what's a universal family value? Family is important. Because the people that had a strong family did better than the people that didn't have a strong family. It doesn't matter what culture you go to, the Amazon, Southeast Asia, Africa, Europe, whatever. Family, one. So one, family is not blood is thick than the, in the water, and you're there. It doesn't matter, thick or thin, you're there. And two, must have children. And so if family wasn't strong, well, when the times got rough and who had a weak family, which ones did better? The ones with a strong family. because probably most people are gonna go through good and bad times in your life. And if you're going through bad times with a strong family, you're gonna come out probably better on average. And the other one is have children. So the people that prioritize having children outbred them. So these are the kind of two universal stories that underpinned the people that had the most humans and whoever made the most humans won. So these aren't necessarily a priori ways to live a good life. They're a posteriori facts about what led to the most humans. And so most people think that they have strong morals but what they have is just been indoctrinated through generations of which story led to the most humans and i suppose i realized that i thought yes family important and yes having children important but they weren't my thoughts they were like you know conflations that or confabulations that had been instituted or indoctrinated into me from birth hardcore mm.
1: so um like i agree with pretty much all of that there is cultural indoctrination but i would also posit there is genetical Genetic.
0: Genetical. <laughs> so there is no <laughs> genetical anything. <laughs> for sure. So there's cultural, there's biology, sociocultural, yeah. and self-authoring. Those are the three categories that I look at. And 100 percent the people with the biology that are most horny, like you see someone of the sex you're attracted to, the people that were more horny went and wanted to do that. And we talk about this. Sex is normally the best biological feeling people have ever had. Better than, you know, any food. And there's a reason for that. So you want to do it as much as possible right and we told, you said you put a quote there if sex felt like breaking your leg we wouldn't have very many humans That's like <laughs> That's that. Your
1: quote, i yeah, I know
0: so to me like i don't know some things that feel good like eating chocolate then you know you're going to have like get fat or something right Ooh. but sex you feel good and you exercise there's like no downside right yeah. it's just upside. but <laughs> maybe having a child if you've already got enough or you don't want any but yeah
1: well so, i mean there's so much to unpack here and i really think we could spend several podcasts on this alone but coming back to the idea of um you know what was the what were the foundational ingredients for a prosperous and successful species and so the ones you listed is like pointiness right? must have family uh and you know re- the, the want to to bear children right yeah. um and i do think you know they're all self-reinforcing in a way um so you you know anything that tim urban has on the topic he likes to talk about um our genes and what their prerogative is and so the gene prerogative is to ensure the continuation of its Mm. genes and that's through reproduction Mm. um for me what i think is when i look at you know these forces that we can uh, attribute to our biology uh they stem from what happened when you know we as a human species evolved in such a way that we gave we we gave birth to babies that were insanely costly to raise and what i mean by that is um, when a mother has a child this child is entirely uh, dependent on the mother it's not like a baby giraffe that it can get up and just walk off and feed itself that's,
0: that's uh, a different it, thing though. i think this is it,
1: it is a different thing but it comes back to this idea of why is family so important like right? why do why have we got these indoctrinations in like embedded in us in such an early age it's because our genes figured out that if, all, if, if we want to continue the species, then we have to be cooperative. So the point I'm trying to make is this idea of cooperation or this idea of family stems from cooperation, this idea of cooperation stems from the need for us to pass our things on.
0: You see me shaking my head. That is an like, absolute statement, I think, James. Well, I think yeah. that there are components of this that have to do with cooperation. And I think that, so there's many, like, like things. I think we'll go back to where you sort of started uh, and I won't go off down this tangent, I think. Um, to me there's your biology and they're definitely programs baked into your biology. So some things like horny vertigo, when you don't eat, you get hungry, et cetera. Right. But not all things are baked in there. So there's no language. You don't have any language. There's no mathematics. You know, there's no, you know, whatever of a psychology, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there are some things, uh, like that also things known as cognitive biases, uh, you know, et cetera, that are baked in. And there are things that your programs that you build. And so there's your biology, then there's the nurture, which is, upgrades done to you from the people around you, whether it's your family, whether it's society, whether it's a school or it's a university, and then there's upgrades that you do to yourself. And I suppose over time, hopefully the portion that is self-authoring or upgrades that you've done to yourself goes up. And this is Keegan's levels of uh, development. And that if you get to self-authoring, I think that you may be 50% self-authored. And if you get to self-transforming, you might be like 80% self-authored, which are the two high levels for him. And so from my perspective, I suppose I was going along and I had the standard stories, you know, must get married, must have children, as an example, family is important. And I started to realize that I hadn't chosen these. Now, I wasn't against them, but I realized that I had implicitly taken them as articles of faith, you know, just like, of course. And I started to try to question them. And so one of the things that I've sort of thought in the past is for all the most important areas in your life, I think you should have your own definition. And importance is sort of two things, where you spend the most time or the things you care about the most. So most time as an example is work. Hopefully you have your own definition for work. And I've written a blog called uh, Maslatonic Eudication, which is my (laughs) mashup of words, but then family as an example. And so to me, if family is just blood, you're living their story. So there should be people that are family that you aren't blood related to as an example, and you didn't need to get married to. So I have people that I consider family in my life that aren't traditional family. And part of it also was, okay, what does it mean to be a parent? And then, okay, what is a child? And it's like oh, okay that's interesting and so to me what i thought is well i definitely want family and i think there are 10 people in your life that could be considered family and these are people that you have unconditional love for that was one thing doesn't matter what happens you're going to be there most people it's conditional and then the other one of family was well children are people you help i thought and so most people do proactive downside removal nappy you know feeding them but passivating upside and I was like, I don't particularly feel like I need to change someone's nappy or to get up in the middle of the night to like, you know, feed them, you know, or whatever. I'd much rather focus on the adding upside. And I need a weekend, they need a weekend. So I didn't want to add the upside as my second job coming home, you know, and trying to fit in a bit of half an hour edgeways helping. I wanted to be able to do it on work time. So I had what I sort of called work children, which were people that I cared about at a much deeper than others. And also people that I tried to help grow or to, you know, uh, you know, level up. Much more than normal, and so I, I suppose by my definitions of what family and children were, I had them. It's just that I didn't feel I need to have them in a traditional sense.
1: Hmm. I think there's really, there's a lot to um like respect in regards to finding your own meaning in certain things, and and like Find your own definition, whether, whether you want to call that your own definition or or meaning, it gives you it gives a lot of power to you taking um, you know control in terms of what it is that you want to make. For yourself, for your own life, um, and you know how you find meaning and all of that. I also think that it is important that we do have some form of universal uh, component, so that when we say what did it mean to have a kid, we know we're talking about the same thing. Because we mm-hmm. could sit here and we could talk about adopting. We could sit here and talk about babe, uh, work kids versus biological kids. Mm-hmm. All of these kinds of things. And so for me, the topic uh, we're trying to explore here
0: should Duncan have kids? Well, well that's one we, of it. It's just parenting yeah. at writ lives, not only should I have children and your thoughts on having children, et cetera. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, I like I do I do think it's it's really great um for people to be able to ask themselves like what would being a parent mean for me? And mm. it could well be like, well, I actually see, you know, my role as a teacher if I work in a school mm. as just as meaningful, or like that that mm. version of um, you know, of raising, you know, a, a generation of children as well. So I I do think um there's a lot in there, but I definitely feel strongly about the distinction of whether you adopt or not is not important, but being that primary caregiver mm. of a, of a child from like let's just say from birth for for argument's sake mm. um, and what that entails.
0: Mm. yeah, so just to go back to you I, I was you know born and I was like, of course, I'm gonna have children. you know, of course, I'm gonna get married. I was like, you want to think you've got values. Well, I didn't want to get married and I didn't want to have children. I'm like, you haven't even considered whether these are your values. You just are parroting the story which made the most humans and thinking that you are highly, you know, valued or highly moral. I'm like, no, no, you haven't even questioned it. If you've chosen it as the right thing for you, cool. But if you haven't chosen it as the right thing for you, cool. Okay, so to me, I kind of went from, okay, what is the meaning of work? What is, you know, the meaning of family? I want to have my things. What is the meaning of parenting? What is the meaning of being a child? You know, these are, you know, things that I try to build my own definitions from. And one of them is like, I think you can self author or effectively parent yourself. So, one of the definitions of parent is someone who helps, you know, people grow. So this just a very low level resolution thing. And I was like, what? Okay. So, I shouldn't I be a good parent to myself? I spend time with myself, try to, you know, have, so writing, I write normally once a week on Sundays and it's a conversation with myself. And so, I think you'd make time to have a good conversation with someone. Well, you should make time to have a good conversation with yourself. And this is not meditation where you're trying to not think this is the opposite where you're trying to do very deliberate thinking, both of which are valuable. And to me, if I had to pick one, I would take writing over meditation <laughs> because it's just been invaluable to me. So that was like parent myself. Then there was like, okay, well, can you parent at work? And one of the differences was, you know, I did not want to live with these people from work. And whilst we might, you know, do social things from time to time, I definitely don't necessarily want to see them every weekend in a social sense. And I also didn't have, this has to be for the rest of my life. It was just what I took at the time as a two year time frame, like, Cool, I'm going to bite off for say two years, investing significantly more, caring significantly more. And that was fine. And so that was leveling up there. And then I suppose like actual biological children, I was sort of against that because I was like, there's only 24 hours in a day and you need to resting or relaxing done well is recharging. And if you don't, you know, you recharge your phone once a day, you should recharge once a day. I have been rinsed for at least five years to the point of being in the red zone, like, you know, you've got like minimal battery about to run out. And that means you don't enjoy things you know if things are harder creativity sleep is shocking like you know it's not unusual to get two three four hours of sleep at night despite being in bed for eight hours um and i was like put a child on top of that like are you insane <laughs> and like at least a lot of people have that when they have a child like, i have that before having a child <laughs> yeah, I was like
1: congratulations
0: you're, you're okay. yeah well, i mean in some respects ed rollo is a child and so that was the other thing can you love things that aren't human so sometimes you can love an inanimate object like a car but i think that a company is often just a collection of humans, and so it's a community of sorts. And so, someone that used to, in the past, that used to be whatever the chief or the leader of, of, of a tribe, they were in some respects the parent of the tribe, and that their parenting duties perhaps more, or their time parenting was more there than it was, for instance, with their own physical or biological progeny. Anyway, so I'll pause there. That was quite a lot.
1: Yeah, that, that definitely was a lot. And um you know, I think there's there's some really um interesting ways that we can go from here. Like the, the last question around, like you know. Can you can you love you know things in a similar way that you would love your own child and like can you can you love your work or can you love the family and the the people that you work with there and like the short answer is yes, but the qualifier here for me is I think it's a very different thing altogether when you're talking about what it means to um, to be wholly responsible for the upbringing of a child or children versus the relationship you have with you know those that you you know willingly uh choose whether it's in a working environment or otherwise so for me like what i think is really um you know clear as a distinction is you know using myself as an example you can feel really deeply about the work that you do the value that you bring um, or the mission that you have you can feel really deeply about the people that you work with or the friends that you have as well or the or the people that you choose to have as as partners in your life um, but being a parent has like, for me, profoundly different implications. Uh, and it's in, like, there, there's nothing like, I'm not saying that all, everything else that I just mentioned, are um, homogenous and they can just exist in one camp and being a parent is another. But I'm saying that being a parent has such a different aspect on my life that it almost deserves its own consideration. And the main um like and and again even when you are a biological parent i think it's similar to what you said before like you can still choose what that means for you right it's not the same journey for everyone um and so this is why i think it's really it's a really great question should duncan have kids because mm-hmm. even asking that question doesn't really determine exactly um you know what the answer will be whether it's a yes or no it's like should duncan have kids well what does it mean for Duncan to have kids right
0: yeah I mean I don't think that's the topic here it's just t- discussing parenting in general and you know your views and your experience because you know you have two girls where you get into this but so one thing I thought and this is another model that I've built in the past so the outcome of something is the type of caring times the amount of time that you expect to care for so mm-hmm. type of caring there's conditional and unconditional and then there is earned and given so a child is unconditional love unconditional love is not revoked And given at birth it's given and you're never going to revoke that right then there's unconditional and earned so you might have a friend or you know a a romantic love or whatever that you cross through this barrier from conditional to unconditional and given which means you can never revoke it and then there is conditional and um sorry and not it's it's a conditional and it's not irrevocable right um and so as an example um the vast majority of friendships and romantic relationships is like at some point, if you are being painful enough, it's it's out. And so to me, children were the only category normally of unconditional and given. And I want to have a category of person like that in my life, which means that if the going is tough, you're not thinking, well, stuff this, I'm out, right? You're like, nah, I will watch this." And the other one is the amount of time. Children, it's for the rest of your life, you hope that they're going to live longer than you. And so the strongest story about caring, which is the types of caring, unconditionally given, you're never even considering. It's not a consideration. Well, I'm going to put these kids up for adoption. And that doesn't enter the you know, mindset of many, many parents. It does not for some, but you know for the, for the vast majority, not. And also other one like, oh, yeah, I care about this job for two years. No, it's like the rest of your life. So I think you can care to the level of children if you had that story for something, but I think it's easy to have that story for children and hard to have it for anything else. And so, as such, it's hard to act in a way like a child's having a tantrum. How can I help? Your partner's having a tantrum. Suck it up. I've had a hard day too. Get you know, get your own, fix your own sort of things. So I thought that that model helped me explain certain things, and I was hoping to try to get something which is unconditional and given that I'd care for about for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And as an example, I think a company that you're building can be that. And so, as an example, Steve Jobs. I think he cared more about Apple than his family. You know, Elon Musk, he's not spending so much time with his kids, you know, X and Y. He's getting more, you know, SpaceX and Tesla. So I do believe that there are people out there, you know, Gandhi, whatever, that have cared significantly more about things that aren't their biological children to a level that is as much as can be cared about. Mm.
1: No, I, I Like the, the idea of like unconditional given or unconditional and irrevocable, um, I think it, it's, a, it's a good model because... Uh, it, it's you very
0: you models? No. You got a <laughs> Go
1: Yeah, it's very hard to find anything else that could possibly fit in um you know that definition or distinction. Uh even even when you try and factor in things like marriage, right? You
0: most you people's think, marriages are revocable. Like, yeah, they are <laughs> very much revocable. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: um, but you enter into like the spirit of a marriage, right? Is the idea that it is forever. But like when you get married with someone, it's not like, well, this will be over in a few years. It's like, no, you're you're entering it with the intent of it being, you know, till death do we part. Um, but with, at, but with the knowledge that if it does turn out to not <laughs> quite go as you had planned, like there is a get out of, like there is an escape. Totally. Um, I um I do think, and let's just um like you know say we're dealing with the 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 reasonable person here, there is no escape clause with children. Like this is your
0: most people don't consider it. I mean, there are people that. Push yeah, the well, that's why I say let's just majority do, of people we're dealing with reasonable.
1: You know, in in law, like what is the reasonable person? Um, what did the reasonable person do? Um, and and yet that like I think, you know, for for that consideration alone, it's it's an incredible um, it's an incredible decision to make, and yeah. without being able to to think about how does this affect me because it is for life as you said you hope that, that they outlive you then there's no putting the two space back in the tube once you've made that decision uh, and so
0: yeah Also to say like this is another one like in in some societies it's socially acceptable to put kids up for adoption um in some it's not so i've um spoken to people that i think honestly regret having kids um but that doesn't mean they don't love them but you know unbalanced they're like if i knew what i know now mm. i probably wouldn't do it mm. but if they were to put the kids up for adoption they're also excommunicating themselves there's day excommunication from everyone they would their, their family would never speak to them again their friends would never speak to them again it's like unconscionable that you would do this now if that person i don't know is like depressed and hasn't gotten out of bed and you know whatever but if they've got like you know modicum of functionality like you know you can walk around literally in the social circles that you know, I think you and I sort of normally in, putting kids up for adoption, no one would speak to you again. They're literally like that person is the kind of person that we do not want to associate with. And so it's not possible, even if they wanted to, I think, to to do it. So it's like by hook or by crook, you're in, right? And it's it's a really interesting idea there, I think, that you're sort of pushed into this. Well,
1: I think like sure, there's that there's the sociological aspect of um, you know, judgment by your peers. Hmm. For me. I feel like and like, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with my partner, like it, it is hard. It is the hardest thing that I've ever done. It's the hardest thing that she's ever done. And your feelings as an individual at times are just like, you know, where where do, where's the escape uh, button kind of thing. How do I get out of this? But you know that you never seriously consider it not for your own sake or just, um, the fear of judgment of others, but for your children's sake. At least that's the way. We, Let's be
0: honest. If you put them into an orphanage, they're probably getting a better outcome than with you not kidding <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Well, mate, like that might be a, a consideration, and consider the inverse, right? If you really feel that you are not suited to be a parent, and you really believe that putting them up for adoption is in their best interest, then I would say that person would probably be best suited to to do that, to put them up for adoption, irrespective of what other people would think of them if they, you know, were to judge them harshly. But mm-hmm. for me, um, no matter what the situation is, I like as a as a parent, I put my children's um, you know, or like their well being ahead of my own. And that's mm-hmm. all stemmed from the fact that, you know, they had no choice in the matter. They did not say like, hey, I would like to be born. Could you mm-hmm. do me a solid, please? I'm like, No, they, they were brought into this, this world with absolutely no say. And so, as you said in the beginning, like the the love and the care that they get is given because
0: they had no say in the matter. Hmm. I think you mentioned something. I think this is a really good point. Like caring about something more than you care about yourself. Hmm. And for a lot of people, the first time, and maybe the only time that happens is when they have children, but I do think that it is possible to care about something more than yourself in almost any area, but that it's almost a default with children. But it sure as hell is not the default with people's jobs, as an example. They're like, no, I do not care about this. You know, if they weren't paying me, I ain't coming. Um, and so to me, one of the things that I wanted to do for a long time um, was to create, hopefully, a job and a workplace where I cared about it more than myself and where others could also find a place to do the same if they chose to. And so... I didn't kind of realize that school to me wasn't something that I cared about more than myself. It was something that I was sent to do and I didn't choose the mathematics. And I I kind of knew the game, get good marks, hopefully get a better job and earn more money. So good marks equal, you know, being hopefully wealthier and bad marks being, you know, poorer or whatever. Um, So I was playing the game called better to be rich than poor, not, I love school more than myself, you know? (laughs) Um, And to me, I don't know, Gandhi, I think he, you know, his cause, you know, more than himself, Apple, you know, jobs, you know, more than himself, Elon more, you know, getting to Mars and backing up humanities, you know, more than himself. And so to me, I think that part of what it could be considered a good life is at least for some part of it, but hopefully for, you know, the vast majority, mm-hmm. caring about things more than you care about yourself. And to me, not just children, some people, the only reason that they go to the job that they, you know, really dislike is to be able to provide for their kids. And that's fine, but why don't you like the job more than yourself? And you like the children more than yourself i don't think that's bad i think it's actually a way for more energy Mm. so to me it's another definition of of a child yeah something that you're helping but no something that you care about more than you care about yourself another one something that you care about for the whole of your life not just like oh yeah right now i really want chocolate and i care about chocolate more than i care about myself you know
1: yeah so I mean this idea of caring for things more than yourself other than your children I definitely um agree with and I think that's a you know that's something admirable to strive for um I would posit however there is a limit to just about all things except mm-hmm. for your child and let's let's just say, like let's acknowledge that there are no shortage of families out there that are quote unquote broken and mm-hmm. then like when the child is fully grown their own adult they don't talk to their parents um, yep. for whatever reason so there's some very good to very bad outcomes <laughs> <laughs> but what i want to try and make maybe just focus on here is that while the child is still dependent and, and let's say it's a child it's not an adult um for me there there is no limit like no matter what they do i will like like speaking uh anecdotally here no matter what my children do i will be there to care for them and to support them right mm-hmm. so they, they could run over their teacher and i'll be like my my girl is a good child and <laughs> 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 um but like you know for for them to know like it's it works the other way as well for them to know that their parents support them no matter what I think is actually a, a fundamental tool for them to feel like that they can go out into the world and explore who they are um so yes yeah, so the, the idea of like caring for this um you know thing more than yourself there was another
0: thread that I wanted to pull on, but I've already forgotten what it is but well, anyway, it's my turn then. Um for me I thought we should do like what is your parental history so mine don't have any children never been married never been engaged and that was kind of by design because until very recently I would have said that I was not wanting to have children um now I, I now I'm open to the idea and I think probably would like to at some point but I am in no rush and I'm like a hard no for the next 2 years as I kind of need to de-stress like I'm just fried from work and have been for a long time and I don't think having children is some sort of, you know, walk in the park. So what's your child, you know, history, if you want to call resume? Yeah. All right.
1: So my, my child's resume is uh, I have two girls, um, Isabel and Chloe, seven and four years old. Um, so I've been married for nearly 10 years but so, and in a relationship for 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, you know, my, my partner and I met when, you know, she was 18 and I was 22, so very, from a very young age. Um, and one of the things I count myself incredibly lucky uh, in that regard is that when we did meet, we almost, uh, we very quickly established that we wanted the same thing. And it's not just, oh, we want kids and that's it. It was how we wanted to have kids, what our values were in raising children. Um, and
0: how- Because when you're that young, you just have standard values. Like, I don't think that, like, oh, we, we realized that we were propagating the same standard story. Like, I, I didn't mean like you were different. Like, it's like, no, nah, I don't buy that at all. It's like, we realised that we were exactly the same as everybody else. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, can give you, I can give you examples, right? So the, the the easiest and clear-cut one that I think everyone will understand is that um, when when, we, when we're when we talking about how we wanted to raise children in their very formative early years, like so from zero to three, let's say, um, Elise said that she would want to stay at home and be a full-time parent. And so, and, and and I very quickly said, that's exactly what I would want for my children as well, for their mother to be staying at home.
0: Now, in a, in this egalitarian society where we have- a standard. I presume like the vast majority of people, you know, in Australia, middle-class had, you know, where well, sort of 38, would have had their parents stay, and mother, sorry, I should say, stay at home for the first yeah. year of their life. I, I think that's that. Um, yeah. But they're two In things... other words, you wanted standard. Yeah. And we found out that we were the same and, and standard yeah
1: <laughs> it goes back to two things one is what the um, the dynamic is in modern society and two going back to one of your initial points is was this by choice or was this by default right so in our parent generation I would say it was a default cultural expectation that the parent would just stay at home and um, you know look after the child full- time whereas t- in today's world where we are much more focused on uh, equality, across genders, we're much more focused on um, opportunities. And um, if you're living in you know, cities like Melbourne and Sydney, the cost of living there, um, in one of the studies that they said, talked about is that it, it required two full-time wages. So there is pressure. When you're um, looking at those different kinds of things, there is a multitude of variables that you could have. And so for Elise and I to have the same one, was one data point, that pointed to us thinking like we have a lot in common when it comes to how we want
0: to raise our kids. another thing you said is this is very hard and the hardest thing you've done. I don't know if that was right and I'm paraphrasing. I'm just interested to understand why you said that.
1: Yeah, so uh, so what I want to make sure uh, is clear when I say that it's the hardest but also the best thing I've ever done.
0: I... It's an oxymoron to me, like 20 year old Duncan, was like, hard equals bad. Yes. <laughs> hard and best i'm like what are you talking about yeah we're going. yeah
1: but like the more i think about it um like the, the more like the more meaning i get from things that i work hard for and mm. you know one one quote you can attribute it you know the things in life worth having don't come easy mm. but um to go back to you, your question which is what does hard mean uh the best analogy that i like to give people is you can just simp- think of something simple like you know a glass of water and when you pick up the glass of water you're like this is a very very unassuming um simple object and you can just put it back down okay. so similar to you know duncan when he comes over and he visits uh, you know little little baby chloe he can pick her up and he can say oh this is a cute little thing and it might wriggle a bit or it might you know make some noise and you know try and kick him but he can put it back down and then off she goes and duncan can go back home to his single bed parenting is inside Okay. <laughs> with just me it. it's, a, it's a race car your <laughs> bed. do you have a race car bed yeah. parenting is a lot like picking up a glass of water and just holding it and holding it for 10 hours straight and not putting it down and okay. then that's when you start to get a better idea of what it's like because um you know I can remember before being a parent thinking, you know, babies were babies, man. Like they're the cute little things. Sure. They can scream a lot. And there's this whole, you know, area of changing nappies that you might not particularly afford to, but other than that, they seem quite harmless on the surface. Hmm. But it's only when you are, you know, in, (laughs) in the thick of it with this life force that is entirely dependent on you to keep, you know, the lights on, do you know what it means to not have to put the glass down? And so it's just hard because you're always on, you're always engaged, you're always um, you know, activated in a way that you have to make sure that you are doing something to, to help the child. So it's not like you know, you're on the bouncy ball doing squats for 10 hours a day, but you're, um, you're not able to switch off or be at rest or even um, you know get enough downtime for you to fully recover before you go back into it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that help answer your question?
0: Yeah, I was just interested to understand what you were trying to say with that um and so I thought I'd give some context so for me like I thought that you want to care about things more than you care about yourself you want to care about them not just for like one year or two years or 10 years but the rest of your life Mm. you want to have family um and family is unconditional love you know um and if these are the only people that have blood then you know you know good I you know my sister you know has a child etc so I didn't want to have no you know small children in my life like James's kids etc but I didn't feel that I had to have my own. <laughs> so I was kind of like, I'm gonna get some of the outside and, you know, hopefully stuff all the downside. I can, you know, I'm already worried about this. So to me, that was that. The second part is that, um, you know, if you'd asked me two years ago, I thought that climate change was very, very bad for humanity. And I think it still is. But that one of the worst things you could do for climate change is to have more children or to more humans. And now I've come to believe that whilst we have yet to build the technologies, that are in train. Like we, we will get to carbon neutral. And we have to be worried about our carbon budgets. And if we overcook it, there could be problems, but we're also gonna take carbon out of the sky, et cetera. And so I now feel that climate change is a problem that we will solve and is not the biggest problem. And that, however, a declining population, I think will lead to economic ruin and far more likely to have geopolitical kickoffs than climate change. And so actually climate, oh, sorry, human or population decline is a much bigger problem than climate change in my head now versus two years ago. And so I was like, okay, well, the worst thing you could do is have children to the best thing you can do is have children. That, that's one shift. Um, a second shift is that my financial position is a lot better than what it was five years ago. I you know, I was hand to mouth, um, you know, and have been sort of until sort of two years ago. And now I've got a bit of financial breathing room. And to me, you know, I don't think you want to be stressing about money the whole time, plus working in a hectic job. Like, you know, it was not unusually working 14, you know, 16 hour days for me. Um, And having children on top, like, where's the time come from, there's only 24 hours in a day. Um, And so I'm very confident that I don't want to continue working at the rate that I have worked at. Um, And you know, I I think I could if I had to, but I sure as hell do not want to. And so there's those things then also what happened is my sister had a child about 18 months ago it's nice hanging with James's kids but they live in Sydney and you know I live in Melbourne and it's you know you don't sit in that often and then I had a girlfriend for about 18 months that had two kids um that ended about two months ago and at the beginning her kids were very much a bug but by the end they were a mega feature and felt <laughs> like something that I had come to honestly love um and I miss them a lot um and it changed my perspective so i suppose i had you know you know small humans whatever in my life more than just a fleeting at a a picnic or something that i was seeing you know regularly like multiple times a week and getting to know and trying to help um and so that was that and then the final one is going to um sound a little bit more crazy like to me um i think that if i was going to want to do this and again no time soon that I'd want to do it as part of my day job. So I think you need time to relax, kid needs time to relax, but you also need time to be trying to do something. I just didn't want to be trying to help when I was meant to be relaxing. So the kid needs a weekend, I need a weekend. The kid needs time off at night, I need time off at night or wherever. And so if it was possible for it to be part of my day job, like one, two hours a day, which I think is not totally inconceivable, then that would mean that parenting was different. It's not you know, this extra thing, which is fun and rewarding, but you have to, you know, dip into your tank to be, you know, hard, you know, tired or whatever. I think James said, you're so tired that you forgot what it's like to be tired. And so these are the confluence of factors. Um, and then the other one, which is sort of, you know, I don't think I would not have a nanny or an au pair to mean that I could get time off. I don't want to not parent. I just don't want to have to hold the glass for 10 hours. I want to be able to have, okay, well, it's Saturday. I'm going to have six or seven hours of holding the glass you know i don't want to abdicate responsibility i just also want to be able to then go and get a coffee or take a phone call or have a nap and this is also good for the kids too so yeah that's what shifted
1: Yep. so first of all question for you in the the recent you know um about base
0: in your decision i don't think um... i would call that i think it's a slow shifting of stuff over the last 18 months Right. Uh, from, a, from a hard no to a, yes, I would like to do this at some point, but I have no rush. And I would also not be fast if it never happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that's uh, How much uh, would you attribute that to Elon Musk?
0: Oh, okay. So, well, the, 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 one of the core things that Elon has helped me understand is that population decline is a much bigger problem. So that's one of the factors. So I don't know what, so the, the major factors are- And that climate change issues. is solvable. Sorry? and that climate change is solvable. I oh, mean, that was already going to happen. So I think that that's, that's a given. So he's going understand that. Um, to me, the time that I've had with little people had nothing really to do with that. Um, becoming, I suppose, in a better financial position, he actually has helped with that because I've had some Tesla shares. <laughs> um, but I think one of the other ones is, like, I honestly believe I've been able to self-author, I parent myself, and I've been able to help others level up. And I was able to help with these two boys a little bit at the margin and also with my niece mac um and it was it's relaxing like i went to the park with mac last weekend and i wasn't trying to help It was just like going up and down the slide honestly like i think i'm pretty good at working and pretty bad at relaxing (laughs) like I, i just you know sit on the couch i'll end up in something dense and it's interesting but at the end of it i am not relaxed i've just loaded more into the brine and the mind wants to do nothing and certain types of being around children not all as an example, going to the park with my niece for an hour last Saturday was really relaxing and energizing, and all that like biological bribery love stuff, like I love her, um, went off. And then after that, I went and had a nap because right? <laughs> I was tired. And James, I'm not sure, would have been able to go and have a nap or whatever else it is. And so it's like, hold on a second, you know. So what part is Elon? I don't know, twenty percent
1: or something. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. So going back to your other point about, um, you know, parenting is part of your work day. Um, and so just unpacking that. So the first thing I think that is maybe something that we don't fully appreciate before we become parents. Um, and I would put myself in this bucket is when you think about what it means to be a parent and how much of your time you um, you commit to, your children have this tendency to grow up. And what I mean by that is at different stages in their life, it's a very different dynamic in terms of your relationship with them and your level of commitment to parenting. So what I will say to that is the first, let's just say, like even within the first 12 months, it's like the stages are like materially different, but let's just say zero to three is like maximally dependent on a caregiver being there for the child, I right? still think
0: my parents parent me a little bit. I'm 38, <laughs> so, yeah. There's, there's, there, yeah. I,
1: yeah, but I would say they're very much part-time parenting you now. Like they can, oh, yeah. you
0: know, and they're, they're still
1: helping. Yeah, and
0: may they continue to do so? It is their duty, and they are solemnly, so you know, sworn to do as such for the rest of their lives. Yep.
1: <laughs> but but like I guess what I'm getting to is like your the, the the interaction changes over time, you know, by default. You're not doing the same thing with your children when they're seven and four as you were when they were newborn and three. Yeah, sure. And and so I think like when you look at like what what did it mean for me to be a parent, you can think about it in different stages. And having, you know, your your commitment to them between the in the baby years is going to be like I would posit, materially different by the time they're 10 years old. Uh, by which point they will definitely want to have a tie from Daddy Duncan. On the weekend, because he's really embarrassing and annoying, and
0: like that's interesting. I think you can actually be someone to look up to. So this is an aside um I think you said it was the hardest thing you've done, but did you use the word most rewarding? And so would you say hardest, rewarding, and fun? Would you even put fun in there? Is the most fun thing you've done too? Like right. yeah, this is like the most fun I've had. Right. Yes, yeah, so it's the hardest, the most rewarding, and the most fun. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about why it's hard. Why is it rewarding? And then why is it fun? Maybe we we'll just pick rewarding. First. What, what, I don't know, everyone's experience is different. So this is not trying to say that James is thing. but I'm interested to understand why you think it's fun.
1: Well, I, I, I resonate a lot with, um, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson's idea around meaning. And meaning for him is, you know, finding the heaviest load you can carry and, you know, and bearing that load. And so that's why he, like, has responsibility to his audience because through responsibility, they find meaning. So, I find it rewarding because I am like, you know, part of a team of two, you know, entirely responsible for, you know, helping these two girls grow and seeing them go through, you know, their own gross journey, seeing them struggle, but then being able to overcome, you know, certain obstacles, whether it's trying to learn a new skill, whether it's trying to socialize, whether it's trying to express themselves. Um, knowing that, you know, while this is all them, that I'm able to support them on that journey is the
0: most rewarding thing for me. So it's supporting them on the journey. So just, uh, and the journey just being everything, like learning how to like potty trained to learning how to speak, learning how to like, you know, I don't know, emotional self-awareness, emotional self-regulation. So yeah, going to the toilet is still very exciting. It's like rewarding.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, it's 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 rewarding because you don't have to change the nappy anymore. So like you, you put yourself in a situation where normal is now like the most rewarding sensation because you no longer have to go back to what you were doing before. Um, think, it's, so one thing,
0: no, no, there you go. Most parts of modern life are much easier than life, you know, in hunter-gatherer times. Mm. You can get food from the supermarket and there's, you know, a roof of my head and you know, I can have a hot shower anytime I want, you know, <laughs> um, but I do think that one of the parts that gets conceivably harder. And again, on average, you know, is, is raising children. So most people, when they had kids say, whatever, as part of gather a hundred gatherer tribe, they were part of a tribe, 150 people. It wasn't just two people. And that you had five nannies around the whole time, your aunties, uncles, you know, brothers and sisters. And that the first child you had experience with wasn't your child, like all by yourself, you know, you have been helping out with others. And so, whilst probably the vast majority of modern life is easier than it was in hunter-gatherer times, it's conceivable that parenting is actually more difficult. And so to me, there is the downside of it. Like, they have to have their nappy change. They have to be fed. They have to be, you know, whatever, you know, cu- whatever, pacified until they you know, they stop crying or something. And to me, I don't necessarily think that, you know, there's, there's a ceiling to that. You can be bad at it, but you can be good. But I think it's hard to be, like, 10 times as good as good, Joan. You know? Like, you're just kind of, like, changing a nappy. Like... I don't know if you can be 10 times better than not or feeding, you know, a bottle. You can get better at it. But once they get fed, you know, the thing. And so to me, some things have a ceiling, some things don't. But other things like language development, like ability to communicate, like understanding about whatever, logic, et cetera, those things um, I think are ceilingless. Um, And so to me, it's it's super interesting um, to just see these really really early on things and you can see that you can literally see them developing in front of you whereas to me like most people to me probably exactly the same as they were last week or even a year ago you know whereas you can see in the last 10 minutes that they've learned something and it literally changed stuff and sometimes you can help with that learning i'm not saying you should be there trying to teach them the whole time but i don't think you want to teach them never do you just like you're just a free roaming and you're just like the person that makes sure that they when their nappy is full that you you know you change it that's that's what some parents do, but that's not what I'd aim to do as a parent.
1: Well, I mean, so I do want to also count the first few years as probably the most formative in that regard. Now, I've tried to express my views on this in the past and it hasn't necessarily landed well, but I'll try and do it again. Um, so the first part of this was ba- is based on what I learned from a fellow called Dr. Howard Chilton. So he's a neonatalist and a pediatrician based here in Sydney, um, wrote a phenomenal book called Baby On Board. Uh, and the focus of the book is about the baby's physiological and um, uh, like, yeah, basically it's physiological needs, right? It's not about you should do this and you should um, do that for your baby. It's, it's about understanding how the baby's body and uh, chiefly its brain is formed and how it develops over the um, early stages of his life. So the point I'm making is one of the biggest, um, like one of the most fundamental um, changes in the way I approach parenting was when I learned what um, what he taught, and that is that when a baby's first born, it is basically its neocortex or prefrontal cortex is underdeveloped. And yeah, you can read about how it actually takes until the person is 25 for it to be developed, but um, in the very, very, very first stages of his life, it's still, the brain is still growing, right? You can some call it the third, the, the fourth trimester, right? So some people say the baby is born premature because his head is so big and that the, the, uh, the bearing mother's hips are too small. And so it actually needs time for it to grow outside the womb. And so what he um, equates this with or um, how this helps to explain it is in the very, very early stages of the baby's life, it's not actually looking to learn things on the reasonable or logical level, it's looking to learn things on the survival and safety level. And what I mean by that is based on, and this is my belief, though, um, I don't want to say that this is true for everything. But based on my belief is the way which you respond to your baby when they are from when they are first born, Probably up until when they're three as being the most impactful, but all the way up until they're seven as a as a grown child, I th- I think has a, has a an immense effect on the way in which their brain interprets the world and how they view things. So this comes back to one of the conversations we had earlier around um, attachment theories. So how does um, you know one view a secure attachment versus an insecure attachment or a um, like a chaotic one? and my mission in the first few years of both girls life was to try and do everything i could to give them that secure attachment if that makes sense
0: i think there's a lot of evidence that we've, we've talked about in the past around the attachment styles as being something that's important but studies are of large numbers of people normally to be statistically relevant and they give you what is average and so to me i don't plan to be average in any area of my life i'm interested in studying what the one percent do and so yeah For an average person, if they have, so they're secure versus insecure, avoidance, you know, attachment or whatever, if they have an insecure attachment, does that affect them as a young person, as a teenager? Yes. And will there be some echo of this later in life? Yes. However, for the top 1% of people, some of them, literally, that starting point defined who they are and made them into something that is great. So it wasn't a, you know, thing slowing them down their whole life and anchored, you know, dragging them, you know, holding them back. It was literally what made them into be able to become something special. So to me, all else equal, you want to give your kids a good foundation in life. Um, And one of those things is attachment styles. Um, But I think other stuff that sort of people look at is literacy, the most important thing, and they can measure the number of words that a child can speak at 18 months and they can predict lots of stuff after that. Uh, So for instance, I don't know, how long you live, how healthy you are, how much you earn, you know, life satisfaction, all those jazz. But to me, if you've done, you know, you've got more words that say, 18 months than others, whatever your parents are doing is working and more of that occurs. So you're in a better environment or the nurture than other people. And that better environment continues to upgrade you more. But if you then took them from a good environment to a bad environment, they don't, it's not like, oh my God, their brain's awesome. And now the rest of their life is set. So effectively use it or lose it, if that makes sense. And so if you had, I don't know, parents that were nurturing and giving a secure attachment for the first two years of your life, and then giving you an awful one for the next two years. It's not like somehow those first two years is what matters. And then after that job done, you know, wash your hands of it, you know? (laughs) So to to me, um, normally they say those are the most formative because they can measure things afterwards. I'm like, no, there's the gap that's there. And it's easy to measure one thing, like number of words, and that you can track that through life. But that's normally because the environment you were in was good. And you know, you normally stay in that good environment until you're whatever, 20. And that by then you're not you know say for instance literally they'll have 150 percent more words at 18 months the outcome of that when you're 20 is seismic mm-hmm. and that if you were to get someone from say bad parenting or you know low words or insecure and put them into a good environment at two you will reverse and they they may not catch up to the person that has been there from this but if they did so well So to me the studies say that those are the most important years because most people don't go from a good track to a bad track at that point, or a bad track to a good track, they stay on the track that they're on. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, every year is important. Try not to be bad. And yeah, don't get off to a bad start. Much better than a good start. But to me, the die is never cast. Um, you know, Joe Bowler, 90% of people don't have a biological impediment. So, for instance, hardcore ASD or Down syndrome or whatever, cerebral palsy might be an impediment that is hard to overcome. But the rest of us, the biological differences. Are effectively irrelevant versus the upgrades that are done to us by others or that we do to ourselves and so to me it's really interesting um really interesting maybe sort of shifting gears slightly um, I just like before
1: you do that I want to just make sure I clarify like it it's not trying to put forward the idea that there's only one stage of a child's life that that mattered and then everything else is just like you know autopilot every stage is wildly important and to you know to take your um, example, um, and extend it further. You can do everything right until the child is, um, you know, fifteen or eighteen or twenty, and then they have one traumatic moment, and then that affects them for the rest of their life. Yes. And so this, like, it's, it's about thinking about um, at each stage what, how, what is it that you want to try and ensure you are providing for for the baby, for the toddler, for the child, for the, um, you know, the young adult, etc. And okay. so, you know, when the child is first born. You're not putting books in their face and trying to get them to, you know, learn new words and up their literacy.
0: literature. Not? literature. I, actually, I think you, you probably should. But maybe, but when to the like word that. they are. There should be the right words, and I but, think you, you, you can help significantly. Right. So um, there
1: are so many different dimensions. Literacy is one. You know, like um, you know, attachment another, another. Um, you know, social skills is another. Like this growth yeah, mindset. There's yeah. many. Ways.
0: There's not one that's you know the, the,
1: the rule of all of them. E- exactly. And so, like, I'm sure they all play a role. At each and every different stage. So I'm not trying to say there's only one fundamental truth, and that's the only thing that matters. Because I certainly would hope that that apparent, because otherwise I would be parenting in a very different way by
0: now. Okay, maybe this is like knowing what you know now for yourself, because you know you said that you always wanted to have kids. But I, I, again, I think that's a standard thing. Um, would you, you know, whatever you were like a already like a, I don't know a ten out of ten, but I suppose with the benefit of hindsight you're like a twenty out of ten for yourself. Like, it seems that, that parenting has exceeded your expectations significantly. Yeah. And I'm interested to know, because like, we didn't get onto like the, why is it fun? We got onto like, why is it hard? And that was an interesting articulation. And then why is it rewarding? And that was an interesting one. And we kind of got on that. And then, hey, why is it fun? I'm interested, like, why is it fun? We right.
1: Well, so now I would say the most important, a really, really important um factor in my relationship with my girls and what they want from me is play mm-hmm. so when i come home from work if they're not already really deep in some other activity they will want me to play with them mm-hmm. and if i'm not completely haggard from the day that had been and like if they can actually pull me out of my my slump or my stupor then it's really fun playing with you know with your kids it's something that um you and i have talked about in the past where i think sometimes as full-grown adults who do have a lot of things going on in our lives we're very busy we're focused on work blah blah blah. sometimes we do forget to have play in our lives. Mm. um you know and i'd certainly count myself in that mix mm-hmm. well these girls are constant reminders of you know play being a permanent fixture at least for them and they constantly try to invite me into that world mm-hmm. And so I'm not talking about like, you know, sitting down on the floor and drinking other pretend teacups (laughs) like this is real rough and tumble stuff. And I don't um, assume that it's the same for everyone. But when you ask me, like, how is it fun? Like I'm literally talking about throwing these girls across the room onto the bed and like they get up and they run out and and I have to chase them down and then I have to pick them up and throw them again. like it's uh it's a any variation of that or it's hide and seek and chloe will like stick her head behind a pillow and her entire body is just sticking out for the world to see and and you know you're gonna oh i wonder where chloe is and she just starts laughing uncontrollably so it's fun because it's
0: like it just brings me back into that childhood mode of play Mm. yeah i think similar like and play changes but like for a while i didn't do much play um and i honestly think that like in some respects, kids are like Xbox. I'm serious, and but Xbox is like play on tap. It's it's different to, uh, in my opinion, watching TV. There's some immersiveness and there's some sort of fun or whatever. It depends on game you're playing, and it's really interesting. Um, to me, kids are this like play thing, plus the biological bribery where the oxytocin and other stuff goes off, plus the kind of meaning where you can kind of help, plus the caring. So they're this like work can be play but work can also be super stressful so you know to me they're like this combination done well of play you know it's reward i know you're sort of hard i it is um caring and love like mixed together which and it, it, it's sort of like different you know to like i don't know an adult is a, a mixture and again like i don't have anyone near as much time with you know children as you've had james that i've not experienced Anywhere else. Now, doesn't mean that other things can't be fun, you know, interesting, you know, rewarding, stressful. But there's there's less of the biology side and there's less of the play side at work. Um, and it's really interesting. So it's not just like, well, are you having children for yourself? And you're like, maybe. that <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Because right, so we've, we've got to wind this up soon. Would you recommend children for me? um and I think yeah I'm just interested in your thoughts because I think you're basically recommending it for yourself I oh, know we didn't really get into that but like I, you're basically a 20 out of 10 children parenting is wildly childrening, is what I was about to say has, has wildly exceeded your expectations it sounds like is that fair
1: um yeah so if you wanted to use the thought experiment like if I had a time machine and went back in time to my like 20 year old self would I okay. say you know date of course or would I say you know run <laughs> <The> tra- um, <laughs> <The> tra- <laughs> yeah. Biological bribery. Yeah. I would very much be like, you are on the right course, like stay the mm-hmm. course because it's like it's about to be incredible. So yeah, it's 20 out of 10 for me. Um I feel like we didn't really get to where I wanted this conversation to go in terms of would I recommend it for you.
0: Um and that's is- next time if you want, but go on. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, like, I just want to make sure um, you know, I share that. When I first had Izzy, you know, when she was first born and I had all of the bloody, you know, chemical going off in my brain and it was just like abundance of love. I would just like in, you know, everyone should have this feeling mode. Like you should be a parent. Like everyone should be a parent because this
0: is. Hey, the- chemical highs. So, yeah, yeah, like everyone should be high
1: all the time but so, <laughs> no, reality in, invariably rears its head and not only do i realize the profound responsibility i now have and the the toll that i am willingly taking on and the work that i'm putting in and all of these different kind of things i'm now coming from a more nuanced point of view and i personally don't think parenting is for everyone but that doesn't mean i think people shouldn't be parents mm-hmm. so do i think you should be a parent like i think you um achieve level one which is you want to be a parent
0: right i have um yeah i actually you do like, it's a very new thing idea. i want to sit on it and I, I need to get less work stress in my life i don't yeah. think yeah yeah
1: so like i think we're at step one which is you are now let's just say you are now open to the idea um but i think there's so many more um you know steps down the road to take before i could honestly say to myself like yeah i really honestly think this would be um, you know, good for Duncan and good for his future children.
0: So your, your question, Mark, I thought you'd be like a resounding do it. <laughs> I um, want to be. Yeah, I like to me, where's my head at? I want to spend more time with, with you know, children Um, and I'm planning, you know, to and, and helping and whatever else it is to kind of learn a bit more about. It. I know it's very different to having your own children, et cetera. And I want to try to get my life into a place where it has space for this. And that I can do it, I suppose, you know, with all of the conditions, hopefully, you know, the tide going with me, not against me. And so if these things can happen, then, you know, so to me, it's like, there's no way that, you know, in the next couple of years that I would want to do this, but maybe in a couple of years, I'm like, yeah, um, I've had some space, blah, 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 and I've spent more time with, you know, kids and I'm, you know, going from like, yeah, I'm open to this to like, yeah, let's really give this a crack and, and try to think about how. I can try to do it, you know, uh, in in the best way possible. Um, so again, like I don't plan to do any of the core areas of my life, you know, average. I try. To, I want to do them well, but not just well, like properly well. And I would hope to be able to try to do the same thing with children. Um, I, I think I had extraordinary parents, and you know, I wouldn't want to be a bad parent. <laughs> you know, it's and so so I'd, you know, I'd want to try to do it properly. Yeah. All right. Right. Well-
1: I don't know if we need to do too much summary. Maybe we can say, like, to be. Summarize there.
0: Done. Cool. All right. Um, Thanks, James. Good chat. I'll speak to you soon. All right, Duncan.